Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. What's up, guys? This is David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and today I have the pleasure of having Andrew Aziz on the podcast. So, Andrew, okay, so Andrew, I've been following for a really long time, even like five years ago when I first started trading, you know, I was looking at his books. I stumbled across a couple of his books, and there's one that I have on audio that I still revisit every now and then. This is really good. It's uh, Mastering Trading Psychology, I think it is. It, is it. Yeah. And um, what resonated to me about Andrew uh, is that, okay, so I came from an architecture background. I did a master's in architecture. So that's like 10 years of school. And Andrew had a similar, from what I remember, I didn't brush up because we just finished the trading day. I didn't have time to brush up on the, the background. But I think Andrew has an engineering background and uh, he has a PhD. So he actually wrote these two books and he got really good at trading. And, you know, he has a really good community, a serious community. It's not like a joke community that you see out there. A lot of like furus and stuff. This is a legit trading community, the Bear Bull Traders. So like I was never part of the Bear Bull Traders, but I have read and kept track of Andrew's stuff. I followed his, all his podcasts that he's been on. Uh, recently I, I saw he was on with Kim Ann Curtin. She's been a guest on my podcast a couple of times and he talks about, uh, his, his mountain hiking and all that. So we're going to ask him some questions on that and just, uh, the analogy with that, with trading. So I don't know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of Andrew. And, uh, on top of that, he's Persian and I'm half Persian. So this is, uh, and I was telling him LA is, they call LA, I mean, he knows, uh, Tarangulus is Tarangulus over here. <laughs> I was telling him I'm at the U.S. Bank Tower uh, because he's like, "Where are you? Are you in a spaceship or something?" Uh, and I'm like, "No, I'm in the U.S. Bank Tower in Tarangulus." So, but yeah, Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks for the great intro. Um, I did my PhD in, in chemical engineering, and I switched to the world of uh, uh, trading. And it's very interesting because what I've learned as a PhD is that you you train to become a researcher, someone that goes into the unknowns and, uh, you know, come up with the questions and then find the answers to the questions in a very systematic way. And trading was essentially the same thing for me. Like when I, I was working as an engineering and then I got laid off from my job, then I was unemployed and I said, okay, I'm going to figure out this trading. I started doing research what is trading? How does it work? And I start practicing, experimenting with it. And then I start getting it. And then I wrote books based on that. And that's exactly what the process of a PhD is. They give you a question. They give you time. You go practice, experiment, and then you write a thesis or dissertation, and then you defend it. And that process for me was exactly similar. So I'm confident in that skill. And I originally I was thinking of my PhD is going to be a waste of my five years in, you know, in school, but it's actually a skill that I have. If, for example, I want to start a new things and like, I don't know, something that I have no idea about, like biology, you know, and at least I have some skill that I can go and figure this thing out. And 
that's the most important part about the PhD. Now, so how did you, when you, so what, what made you switch to trading? Did you like, for example, for me, I was in, um, I graduated with a lot of student debt here in the United States. I don't know if you went to school in the States. And then after that, like, um, yeah, I just, I, I did it to like get, you know, to find a solution for my student debt. And it's like, I worked in the real world and the, the money didn't line up with the student debt and the amount of money I was, I was making as a junior architect, you know, starting out in uh entry level jobs. So how did that work for you? Like when you graduated PhD or were you always, PhD is more like academia, right? So it's like, were you working in the, in, in a chemical engineering field? No, for me, uh, I mean, I didn't have any student loan. I came to Canada and I had a scholarship and I lived through the scholarship. And I did work a couple of years as an engineer, but in honestly, my engineering salary in Vancouver was very low. Like, you know, especially chemical engineering is not, this is not a hub for oil and gas or big uh, tech companies. And my salary was really low. And then I got unemployed. I got let go and I was unemployed for five years. And I said, okay, I have twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 of savings and trying to figure out this uh, trading. Uh, it didn't work out right away. And I had to get another job, uh, you know, in a not-for-profit doing sales and until I really figure out uh, this trading and then I quit that job. But the purpose for me was, uh, you know, getting some extra income because I wasn't just making enough money as an engineer. My salary, you would be surprised, uh, about 10 years ago was $70,000 Canadian. With exchange rates, we're talking about probably forty, forty-five thousand dollars USD, and in a very expensive city like Vancouver, which is as expensive as probably LA or San Francisco. So I had the motivation to add some extra income, but I never wanted to be a full-time day trader. Plus, um, when I actually got a start hold of it, I really enjoyed the lifestyle that you trade for a couple of hours, uh, you know, in the morning, and then you have the time for yourself. It's really hard to become a full-time day trader. But I really, really wanted the lifestyle. That's why one of the things that I, uh, you know, went through the hard time of trading at the beginning, which everyone goes, what kept me motivated was the lifestyle. You know, as you mentioned, I climbed the mountains, I climbed Everest. You know, I travel all around the world. I am tomorrow flying down to South America again for two weeks. And I this is a lifestyle that I really love to have. And I fought for it. Wow. Um. Yes. So... Before we talk about the, all the mountains and all that and your trip coming up, wow, you're going to South America. I'm actually going to South America in a couple of days as well, uh, Colombia. But anyway, so, but like uh, when you first started trading, was it frustrating? Like, were you, how did you learn? Because I know, like, were you thinking about it? Like when you were coming in, oh, you have this chemical engineering background that's going to help you with uh, at least the uh, math side and stuff. You know, like for me with architecture coming in, I was like, okay, I might have a slight advantage here to start because... Uh, my architecture background is a is a um as an art and a science, you know, and and also the grad school process of research. So for you, it was you know, uh, dissertation and all that you mentioned. So like for you starting out, how frustrating was it in the beginning, and how did you approach it? Because um, you know, so like, did you like for example, you don't seem to me the type of guy that would be uh trying to get a Lambo right away. Like you approach it like almost like school. I know, like I approach it like school. Like okay, this is gonna take me a a certain period to learn. I can't expect much and during this period. So how how was your mindset towards us that when you were starting out? So I started really by self learning and uh, started going to YouTube. Uh, I found a couple of really good uh, YouTube educators. Watched their video. And then I started, uh, you know, opening an account. I had one colleague uh, 
working with me and he was you know he's more experienced and now he's trading with us full time uh Brian so he he was telling me about a little bit uh you know how it work how it's being done and stuff but I did make a lot of uh, early mistakes like not having a good proper platform or broker and expensive commissions and everything but my approach was self learning and one of the reasons that actually got me to write the book was in 2013 or I realized that over 14, there is, a, there is not much book uh, talks step-by-step step how this day trading thing works. There's a lot of technical analysis work. There's a lot of investing books. But the day trading in that time was kind of a new field for the normal people. And there was no book. And I, that's why I decided to write the how to day trade for a living. I said, okay, you know what? And I was not a great trader when I wrote the book. And I said, okay, you know what? This is what I learned. I'm going to write the book. Yeah. So people have one step-by-step step, uh, step step guide next to them uh, to you know remove some of the early hassles on that. Um, now, you know, fast forward 10 years, there's so many resources out there. There are academies, there are really solid communities, the YouTube, especially after pandemic, there's so many educators that are coming out and, you know, sophisticated strategies are now explaining details everywhere. And it's a different world. But at that time for me, it was just struggling to go through whatever that is available on the websites and blogs and, uh, YouTube. Awesome. So, so, okay. So you were uh trading for a while up until the pandemic started and in the pandemic you know the markets got extremely volatile so how was your trading during the pandemic did you get a lot of uh you know was that i know for a lot of traders that was that was like their best years because they were prepared it was like all that preparation leading up to that and it was like the so how about for you absolutely that's exactly what you said like in 2018 and 19 a couple of hundred dollars a day would have been a really good day you know but in after the volatility of 2020 came in and it continued all the way up to now, it's just a couple of thousand dollars a day. It's been so easy. Like everything is moving up and down all the time. Uh, and that was my first bear market to see. And uh, but, you know, it doesn't matter bear market or wood market. You just want the volatility and liquidity. Like we started trading airlines and cruise lines every single day. And then there is, you know, the different work from home sectors and then vaccine companies. And, you know, then, you know, then the Chinese sector become really active, like Neo and XPEV and Baba. It's just this volatility and it still continues to date. Uh, uh, but you know, they said that that was a really good time to be a trader, but as a new trader, it could have been also very scary. I know a lot of people came in 2020 to start them trading, and that volatility can be very dangerous if you don't know how to manage your risk. So I was kind of lucky that I was prepared to benefit from uh, that volatility. Wow. Um, and how about now compared to then? What What's your thoughts on the market now currently? You know, you, you mentioned the bear market. So it's crazy. Yeah. Two, 2000 what would you say is the bear market because there was there was definitely a pullback i guess last last year because like for for 10 years or so more than 10 years it was just the market was just going up and then last year we did have a pullback so is that what you, you consider that like that's the bear market yeah so i mean bear market doesn't have any you know clear definition it's just a term they say if the market drops uh 20 from the highs then you you enter the bear market and, uh, you know, we had that. I never had, I've never seen any, you know, the last bear market was, uh, in 2008 financial crisis. I was trading in that time. And then I was a person who were trading in all time highs, like for 10 years, market making all time high. And I was trading in there. 2020, the pandemic was the first bear market, but it was very short lived. Like the market dropped about 35% from the highs. 
uh, and quickly recovered. So that you know the whole bear market was maybe two three weeks. The real bear market was actually 2022. You know, when they started increasing the rates and you know reducing the inflation, the real bear market was last year, in my opinion, um, uh, in 2022. Uh, so again, the, the, the term doesn't matter. What you what you will see in the bear market is the volatility. You know, in 2022, the market you know dropped 15 percent in the day. The whole exchange got halted. You know, I've never seen that. Yeah, mul- multiple times. I think it was three yeah. times that the exchange yeah. halted. Yeah, that's insane. Okay. Fun time is March. It was March 16, I think. So that was, uh, uh, th- th- those are the things that I never, you know, experienced before. But um, you, the, the other part of the question that how it is now, the volatility continues. But what this is what I, I found as a trader of 10 years. The market has pockets of volatility. And these pockets move from sector to sector, company to company, index to index, and you just have to follow that path. For example, like in 2020, when the, the bear market started, the volatility beside the overall market, the huge volatility went into the cruise line and airlines. And I remember that there was a time that every single day we were trading American Airlines, United Airlines, CCL, which is Cruise Carnival, because they were really hit really, really bad. And the pockets of volatility went through that sector. After that, like, for example, in the early this year, what we had, the pockets of volatility is in AI-related companies, NVIDIA, AMD, anything that, you know, has some AI in it. Back in 2018, the crypto got really active. So anything that had some sort of a blockchain in it just become really active. And then in 2019, suddenly the clean tech and the electric vehicles become active, like XPEV, NIO, NEO, Plug, those companies became uh, active. So these pockets, and they don't last. You know, they don't last, you know, you kind of trading them for some time. And then you realize that after that, it's not volatile anymore. They're not gapping up or gapping down and you move on to another sector. I totally remember back in 2017, 18, the pot sector suddenly came, became really active because that was the Canada legalized it. And there's a lot of states start legalizing it. And then every company like CCJ, any company that there's in the production or distribution or uh, related to the marijuana became active. So as a trader, you just have to look for these pockets of volatility. Investors, on the other way, they try to run away from volatility because, you know, the return has to be risk adjusted, you know, uh, return and they stay away from volatility. They actually want to hedge the volatility. Traders are desperately looking for volatility. Earlier this year in March, I mean, we're recording it in November 21st. Earlier this year, we had the collapse of SVBs. Financial sectors were really, you know, uh, volatile because these they, they were going bankrupt. Um, now, what we are having uh, right now, as we see, the, again, the tech is back, AI is back, and they're making, you know, going toward the all-time high. It seems that the pocket of volatility is in the sector and AI-related companies. Wow, really, really good points there on, on uh, how we trade volatility. Now, with that, so we are approaching all-time highs. I was looking at the NASDAQ, the QQQs today. I, that's at all year highs. Uh, SPY is nearing it. Um, so what are your thoughts? And I know Michael Burry, for example, he's short the market currently. Uh, we, we don't know how he's trading it or how, what, what he, if he's still in it, if he, if he exited the position. But um, what do you think about what are your thoughts on like what, what the market's doing right now? Like, are, like, are we going to break all time highs again from 2020 or 2021? 
or is this more of a balance? Michael Burry shorted. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think we're going to see uh, ultimate high very soon. My, I don't think Michael Burry is short anymore. I think his short position, I think he's covered the short position in the last quarter. And then he actually tweeted, uh, you know, thank you. Oh, no, sir. He said, you're welcome. Uh, when uh-huh. that, that drop happened, I don't think he's short that anymore. But we don't get that information right away until the. Yeah. You know, every quarter uh, they're, uh, they they report their F thirteen filings. Um, yeah, I think we do we do see the all time high because we don't uh, at this stage. You know, real you know the inflation is really coming down. The market, the U.S. economy is very strong and resilient. Yes, the rates are higher and it's going to stay higher, but that doesn't really matter. A lot of people think if the rates go higher, the discounted cash flow of the companies impact the price, and then the valuation has to come down. It really doesn't matter. And, you know, in the peak of dot-com bubble, the rates were five, six percent, and the, the Feds were increasing the uh, rates. Uh, but we still saw that huge bubble. Um, the market goes up for two reasons. First of all, is nobody dares to short the market. If you don't short the market, the capital inflow, all the four hundred one ks and people investments is going to come into the market. The companies are doing the buy share buyback, and the market goes up, and there is no seller, so most of the majority is buyer. And there is another one is that the concept of risk taking, you know, the market goes up because people do not see any reason not to take risk right now. You know, it seems that the wars in the Middle East and Europe has been really isolated from the global economy. It seems that inflation is coming down. The tension with China is coming down. So it seems that there is no reason to not to take the risk. You know, it seems that we're peaked in the you know high inflation rate. So therefore, investors, I myself, are now trying to become more and more aggressive in my uh, investing portfolios. Therefore, market is going to go up. Again, people try to justify this with uh, a lot of fundamentals, and they have a point. But at the end of the day, financial market is all about the psychology of the trader, investors, and if they are willing to aggressively take risk or not. And I think we are in a risk on period it means that, you know, funds, people with money are preferred to be in the risky assets. Uh, and that's why I think we're going to see all time high, uh, maybe this year uh, and uh, maybe early next year. NASDAQ had the all time high in uh, 2021. In November 2021, S&P 500 actually did on January 4th, 2022. So uh, we might see that. The small caps are struggling. The IWM sector is struggling. Uh, but definitely S&P 500 and NASDAQ, uh, they're, they're doing pretty good. And we might see uh, often high maybe in the next couple of months. Great points. Great points. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the listeners are going to love to hear your assessment on that. It's really, really well said. Uh, okay. So finally, Andrew, so what about the the... The mountain hiking and all that. Were you always into that since before trading, or is, or you always ha- you, did you have an idea to do it, and then trading allowed you to to accomplish it? Because you you you've climbed Mount Everest, for example. So yeah. So what what about all this uh, mountain hiking? So I like to challenge myself. I love to challenge myself time to time. And actually, getting really bored and crazy if I don't challenge myself. I, you know, I grew up in Iran, near next to the mountains. I always doing the you know hiking and climbing. Uh, I got into Canada. Obviously, Canada, the, the concept of mountaineering is much bigger here because there are huge mountains. I got courses and started from the bottom, really basic courses and going all the way and challenged myself. The, the biggest one was the Everest that I did this in 2023. And I still continue to uh, challenge myself. The mountains, uh, I love it because it's pure mindfulness. It humbles you. And uh, it reminds me of the market. 
that, uh, you know, you just have to focus on the process of climbing the mountains uh, without having any control if you can do it or not. You just have to do your best. And mountain is so powerful that it allows you to climb or not. Um, and I love that. And uh, personality-wise, I like to challenge myself. Awesome. Well, that's re really inspiring. All the, you know, I, I encourage everyone to check out Andrew's other podcast where he goes deep into uh, his experiences of climbing Mount Everest, which is like insane, by the way. Like it's really, really crazy stories and, and really inspiring as well. Well, Andrew, thanks for coming on the podcast and taking the time to do this. And we'll have you on again, I'm pretty sure. So um, have a great day and thanks for making the time to come on. Thanks for having me. And I hope that, uh, you know, we can talk again. Uh, there's so much to discuss. Absolutely. All right, Andrew, and I'll have everything in the show notes of uh, Andrew's community. I'll see you guys later. Anyways, thanks, Andrew. Bye. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David, where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.